0: Good morning and thank you for joining me once again as we continue uh, to read through the Bible and uh, we have made it to the New Testament book of 1 uh, Timothy. And so if you have a Bible and it's handy there, Uh, one of uh, what's grouped as uh, the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and uh, Titus. And so uh, if you've got a moment to do so, open your Bible to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at chapters 1 through 3 this morning and zero in on a portion of chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The Apostle Paul Uh, writing uh, from Macedonia, writing to Timothy that has been uh, placed there in the city of Ephesus uh, to uh, instruct uh, the church there to uh, uh, offer corrective to put them uh, back on the course of sound uh, doctrine and so Paul writes to this uh, young associate of his that seems to be uh, at some level uh, his, his personal favorite that he found a great deal of comfort and companionship uh, in this young uh, associate and so he writes to to him uh, uh, While a very personal letter, a letter that certainly has profound doctrinal implications for him and for us in the church 2,000 years after he wrote this particular letter. So like many of Paul's epistles, we find... A greeting there in the first few verses, and as is so often the case, he immediately turns his attention uh, to warn Timothy about false teachers that are infiltrating the church. That is always a timely warning. There's never been a history in the 2,000 year history of the church that it has not been appropriate to warn regarding false teachers and the false doctrine that they uh, teach. Uh, a word. Related to the, the truth of the gospel and its power uh, to save and then a uh, practical admonition regarding Christian living. And then the, the very important section uh, that takes up uh, all of chapter 3, instruction regarding leadership in the church, uh, regarding uh, the, uh, the bishop, overseer, uh, uh, elder. Most of the time we refer to them as pastors, but uh, uh, the qualifications for pastors and the qualifications for deacons are well outlined there in chapter 3. Well, let's look at chapter 2 and this particular uh, uh, instruction uh, for these Christians at Ephesus, uh, and uh, I think they continue to be applicable to us uh, today. Verse 1. Uh, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high places or high positions, that uh, we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Uh, This is good and it's pleasing in in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men uh, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time for this I was appointed preacher and apostle and I'm telling the truth I'm not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. and So he begins with uh, an exhortation, a a series of instructions to pray uh, for those who are uh, in leadership, particularly uh, uh, kings and other types of civil authority. Remember that at the time uh, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, that uh, the, the Gentile uh, overlords of the Roman Empire were not always benevolent. In fact, uh, it would uh, soon be the occasion that they would outright persecute uh, the church. Uh, but uh, what is normative for the people of God is that we uh, pray uh, for those in authority, and that uh, they would allow the church, the people of God, uh, to, to live uh, quietly uh, and live uh, in a way uh, that honors God uh, by their, their, their manner of life being godly. And so this, this type of Living is good, it pleases God, and it allows the gospel to, to go forth. And Paul states that, that it is the desire that the gospel go forth so that uh, people would be saved. In fact, that he states that the will of God is that all people uh, be, be saved, that they would come to the knowledge, that they would come under the sound of the gospel, that they would hear the word of God proclaimed. So indeed, they would be saved by the one described in verse 5 as the one God, and the one mediator, the one way of salvation. One of those places uh, like uh, John 14, uh, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Uh, we see this uh, in, in the preaching of Peter in the book of Acts. But uh, the, the uniqueness, the exclusivity, uh, the one-of-a-kind nature, of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and out of the many things that the unbelieving world uh, would indict believers and the church for, uh, this is high on the list that uh, uh, we should embrace any and all types of faiths and views of, of God and ways of salvation in the Bible in no way. No shape, form, or fashion does it allow for any other way of salvation in any other Savior other than uh, Christ Jesus. He is the only one who gave himself as a ransom for us. And Paul uh, reminds them, and this is why God saved me. This is why God appointed me as an apostle, that I would go proclaim uh, this message, not just to the Jews but to the Gentile world, to take it uh, to all of the known world in which uh, we still uh, can follow that great mandate and that great example of proclaiming the gospel to every creature under heaven and make it known that it is God's will that they be saved, that it is God's command that they be saved, and that the only way of salvation is through personal faith in His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I pray that this is a blessing to your day, and I'll look forward to seeing you once again. Uh, tomorrow